Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStremps, and twice a month I'm here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits. Let's get today's show started. I've got in the studio with me today from Tempe Community Action Agency, Sophia Campbell, Director of Philanthropy, and Teresa McKenzie, Volunteer and Community Engagement Coordinator. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. I'm so excited to have the two of you in here today. Um, I was kind of sharing a little bit, you know, prior that I've actually been able to um, tour a couple of your programs, um, and I was very impressed. And so it was actually a couple of months back when I said, I've got to have them in the studio. Um, More people need to know about what you guys are doing in the city of Tempe. So welcome. Why don't we start off? Um, Sophia, want to just tell me a little bit about um, how, you know, what you do for Tempe Community Action Agency and kind of how you got involved in that. Absolutely. Um, Well, I've been with uh, the agency probably for about two years now. Um, The current executive director, uh, Deborah Artiega, had also come to the agency and she had said, you know, she had taken me to lunch and said, I, I, I really want to talk to you about this position that's coming available. Mm-hmm. And so um, we went to lunch and she knows my background. I've worked with Deborah before. And when she toured me around the programs, I probably had the same uh, feeling that you did. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was hooked. Yep. Uh, they do some incredible work. We do some incredible work. We've been um, in Tempe now for 52 years. Um, and our story was probably the thing that uh, connected me Initially, um, you know, TCA started with two trailblazing advocates, uh, Barbara Norton and Lupe Esquer, both located in the Tempe community, primarily in the Escalante community, 85281 zip code. And these were just two women who were looking out for their their neighbors and mm-hmm. found that, you know, there's a lot of need here. And so slowly but surely they started assisting with, you know, helping a family here with food, helping a family here with clothing. And so 52 years later, I feel like we're just, we're, we're just furthering their initial mission. So mm-hmm. super excited. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I was so impressed by was the fact that um, you guys have uh, over a thousand volunteers and it says resulting in more than 27,000 volunteer hours, that's equivalent to having 13 additional full-time staff. So for all of those amazing programs that you have, uh, you know, one might be thinking, oh my gosh, how on earth do they, are they able to do that? And so that kind of leads me into you, Teresa. Tell me a little bit about your position um, and, you know, kind of how you got started with uh, TCA. Well, um, I've been in volunteer management for 13 years. It's kind of my passion. The thing that gets me really, really excited is getting people connected to what makes them excited. Mm -hmm. And I've been living in Colorado for the last four years and it was time for me to move. I'm from Tempe. Grew up in Tempe, graduated from McClintock High School in 1982. Dated myself. Yeah, I did. Um, But when this position, when I realized I was moving back to the area, it really excited me, number one, 
to be back at an agency that was located in the community I grew up in. This is the community that built me and supported me all through my youth. Um, my father was a professor at ASU, so I'm very was very tight with the community. But it had been away away for a while. And um, when this position came up, not only you know working with volunteers, which is my passion, but also being back in in the community that I got to grow up in mm-hmm. really excited me. And it, it was super exciting too, because I'm sitting initially sitting next to a woman who three of the ladies, we went to high school together, mm-hmm. different classes, but one of them, I knew their brothers really well. So, <laughs> you know, it's just really fun to be back in the community. And then what this agency does, I mean, it's so diverse from starting with prenatal care all the way through senior care. And so there are so many different areas you can be interested and passionate about. And we really encompass a lot of those. Mm-hmm. A little something for everyone. There really is. There really yeah. is. And it's, um, you know, you touching on, you know, what drew you back to Tempe. I grew up um, in Gilbert and East Mesa. I went to school at ASU, but at the time lived in Phoenix. It wasn't until I actually bought a house in Tempe that I suddenly realized like, wow, this is really a unique community. And then when I started getting involved um, with um, some other, you know, activities in Tempe and um, the, you know, agency review and, and things like that, that I really was like, oh my gosh, this is like, I'm really part of something pretty cool here, you know, and I never felt that way in any of the other communities I lived in. It wasn't until I moved to Tempe. And so when I have the opportunity to tour and visit some of your programs, uh, I just thought, oh my gosh, this, I can't believe that this is going on right in my own backyard. And there are just so many opportunities for people to be involved. So I'm excited again to have you guys on today and want to just jump right in and kind of talk about some of those programs. So as you mentioned, Teresa, there's programs for helping um, newborn all the way up to to senior care. Were there all of these different programs when things first started? How did things start out and how did those just keep branching out into all these other programs? I think initially, um, like I said, when when I started, it, it really started on a food focus and mm-hmm. really supporting the neighbors that they saw uh, with additional food. And and eventually, uh, the, these two trailblazers, and, I, and they truly are, they started to see that there were additional needs. And, mm-hmm. I, and so, you know, m- morphed after a couple of years, I, I believe the program expanded to meet the needs of additional individuals. Yeah. And really, the, I think the underlying theme through um, most of the programs is that underlying issue of poverty, right? And so you start with that the uh, hunger issue, and then you go from the hunger issue to, you know, if someone's hungry and they're pregnant, then are they getting the prenatal care that they need? And then as you go through um, aging process and you become possibly homebound, and are they getting the nutrition that they need? So really everything underlying, I think, draws back to hunger and poverty and the issues that come with mm-hmm. those situations. And I think what's really flexible with the community is that uh, we've been able to adapt to the changing circumstances uh, that have happened in the community. And, you know, right now, homelessness and hunger are the two big issues. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in terms of homelessness, affordable, finding affordable housing. Right. I mean, that is a is a huge issue right now. So we're trying to support the individuals uh, that we work with in the best way that we can. So. And I was, um, when I toured the food pantry, it was um, what really kind of stuck out, uh, yeah, stuck out. <laughs> I almost said struck, and then I was like, that doesn't make sense either. What really stuck out to me was um, it's actually a pretty small space when you're thinking of it, um, but that's actually a larger space than 
what you previously had, right, for the food pantry. And you guys are actually the largest food pantry in Tempe. We correct? are. We yeah. are. Um, and back to your question, <laughs> we uh, when we initially um, were established, we were in the Escalante Community Center. Mm-hmm. And so the existing uh, food pantry that we have right now on Apache is actually three times the size of our initial food mm. pantry. So I'm not even sure how they managed all those years working right. in, in those small quarters, but mm-hmm. they did. And so um, in April of 2017, we moved to our new uh, administrative building on Apache. Honestly, we've outgrown that facility I already. <laughs> I, I know. There were just stacks and stacks of, of food. And again, uh, I just loved what, seeing all the different volunteers in there. I can't remember what exactly they were doing that day in particular. But why don't you talk a little bit about, I guess, how Obviously, the community, how they could get involved if they wanted to volunteer at the food pantry specifically. But what are some of the donation needs? Because another thing that I, again, stands out to me is a lot of people around the holidays think of, oh, we need to donate food to the food pantry. But I mean, there's people are hungry all the time, not just at Thanksgiving, Christmas. (laughs) So what are some ways that the community can be involved, maybe specifically with the food pantry? Well, I think, you know, number one, um, we're always open. We love to engage volunteers in the food pantry. And that can be on an individual basis, come in and do a regular volunteer shift. Or if you have a corporate group, a business, um, a small group, a church group that wants to come and do a one-time project, we definitely have plenty of opportunities, not only in our food pantry, but we also have two community gardens. So those are some other opportunities if you're into that kind of feeding the hungry Mm -hmm. um, side of uh, the poverty issue. And um, it's just, it's really exciting to have those groups come in. You just need to contact me and we'll make sure that that information is given out. We love to have the groups come in, but, you know, also, you know, food, Um, you're right. Christmas, Thanksgiving, we get an abundance of food, a lot of food. It's awesome. We can never have too much food, so don't hear me say that. But it's this month. It's August. Mm -hmm. um, It's July. Our food pantry gets really depleted over the summer because you have all those kiddos home from school and the need is much higher because they're not necessarily getting the free lunches, the free breakfast at school. And so we are really giving out more than we usually would in those months. Yet, the donations go drastically down. People are on vacation, they're out of town, and you just don't think about it during the hot summer months. And so really the summer months are a critical time for a food drive. We were at a food drive this morning in downtown Tempe. Oh, great. And partnering with the downtown Tempe Authority Mm -hmm. and, you know, bringing in food because this is a critical time of year. And uh, now the kiddos are back in school, but we've depleted our pantry. Mm -hmm. Now it's kind of stocking back up. Yeah, stocking back up, mm -hmm. getting things back in. You know, we even have some groups coming out um, to volunteer. And and our food pantry manager said to me, I'm not sure I have enough for them to do because the shelves are so bare. Mm. So, you know, once again, we're really fortunate, though. The community is very good to us. We, those, they won't stay bare for long. Good. And what kinds of things um, can people donate if they want to donate? Because I guess that's another thing that I, you know, you think of, oh, canned goods. But you guys really can take more than just canned goods, right? I mean, what are some of the things that would be grains, pastas, um, you know, items that can be easily opened. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has access to, you know, refrigeration and or heating. So things that can can be taken on the go are really important, especially for our homeless individuals that we try to support in our food pantry as well. I just want to mention what Teresa was talking about in regards to uh, our support of the schools mm-hmm. and, and elementary school students. Um, last year, we started a partnership with Tempe Elementary Schools, um, and they had asked us... Um, 
um, and at that time, I believe we they it was five elementary schools that uh, were requesting emergency food boxes to be available on site at these schools. Mm. And so uh, they came together with the Tempe Community Action Agency. And so we developed this this kind of formalized partnership. So on a monthly basis, we deliver, in addition to what comes out of our food pantry every day, we deliver emergency food boxes to these uh, Tempe Elementary schools. And so when we started this in early 2017, the request per month was 40 emergency food boxes that we delivered. We are currently at, I believe... 17 schools now within the Tempe schools in Kyrene school districts. And so in addition to what we're distributing through our food pantry, 240 food boxes wow. are distributed every month through our pantry. So, and that's, that's something that we distribute, we bring to these schools. So that demonstrates the significant need and how it has expanded in just a short period of time. So we're super excited about that, but that just, you know, speaks to the the tremendous need that's the need, out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And you touched a little bit on the gardens as well. Can you tell me, or everybody actually, a little bit about the gardens and kind of how they support your programs as well? Well, uh, we, we have two uh, community gardens and one is at the Escalante Community Center and the other one it is, is at Clark Park. And just a little side note on the Clark Park one, that was actually an old swimming pool, a Tempe public swimming pool oh, wow. that was no converted idea. now to a, a beautiful garden. And the gardens are really beneficial for a variety of reasons. But I really, um, number one, nutritious produce, fruit, the Escalante Garden, they have chickens. So mm-hmm. we're, we're talking eggs and all of that. And we're able to distribute that in the community through our food pantry. Volunteers that volunteer there are able to take some of their produce home with them. So that's super beneficial, um, obviously. But the secondary thing is, is really goes back to that sense of community, neighborhood engagement. I always think about the two ladies that started our organization. Had they not known their neighbors, they wouldn't have known that there was a need. And so really the community engagement to me is almost as important, if not more important, than the produce that's coming out of it. Because when you get to know your neighbor and know their needs, you can help take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And then great organizations can come out of knowing your neighbor. And so that's our community gardens are just really awesome. Plus they're beautiful spaces to go and just sit and look and enjoy. And the Escalante one is very nicely shaded Mm -hmm. and it has a beautiful new kitchen. Um, And I I want, Sophia, do you want to talk a little bit more about the kitchen? Absolutely. It's it's beautiful. Yeah. The day that I was there, I was going to mention, the day that I was there, there was a family in visiting the chickens, which I thought, oh my gosh, they can just come visit the chickens. Absolutely. I want to live in this neighborhood and come visit the chickens. Um, uh, and then as we were getting ready to leave, here comes a little school group out from the school right there. And they were going into the garden to do a lesson. So, again, going far beyond just having some fresh produce, right. just all of the things that are happening there. And the kitchen at the time was kind of under construction. So, right. yeah. So, I'm great. I want to hear more about that. So, we recently had a, a wonderful grant contribution through the Thunderbridge Charities. Uh, so, we're just finalizing um, the garden. It's coming along beautifully. Uh, in fact, this weekend we have another volunteer um, opportunity where we're going to be staining some of the, the kitchen tables oh, and, and, and just really beautifying the place. And we really, you know, we rely on our, our community partners uh, like Thunderbirds and other organizations to really kind of um, help us do this. And uh, one of the things about the Escalante Community Garden is the first community garden in the city of Tempe. So we're, we're pretty excited and, mm-hmm. and happy about that. But what's probably 
probably more impressive is that both of our gardens are run entirely by volunteers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just almost like uh, just overseeing it. And so, but we work with them. We we, um, identify the needs for the community gardens and then we try to, you know, write grants to support those needs. And so, the community engagement, I can't speak enough about it, is that, you know, they have the opportunity, the neighbors in the surrounding areas, to come to work the garden. And in return, they work two hours, they can actually benefit from the produce. And so um, in so many ways, uh, the community garden um, is, is such an incredible program. So even for our food pantry, so when there's an abundance of produce, we can actually bring that produce back to our food pantry, which is literally a hop, skip, and a yep. jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right down the street. And, and we can um, supplement the food boxes with this fresh produce. So lots of great things happening, yeah. really. So, And what are the plans for the kitchen then? So what kind of, what will be happening once that kitchen is up and running in the garden? Well, prior to the renovation, we were able to do um, cooking classes and nutrition classes. And like you said, we have school classes mm-hmm. come and learn about nutritious food. And so our goal is to really start amplifying that and Ooh. really, really doing more of that. Yeah. And ultimately, I mean, my personal goal <laughs> as the fund development person is to be able to start using that to, you know, to to entertain other community groups. You know, last, I believe it was last year, um, in May, we hosted uh, one of the Tempe Chamber early morning mixers. Oh, so great. we just want to start doing yep. lots yep. of that. So oh, that's great. The more people come and and you know what was really fascinating again was wow I didn't know this was right here and mm-hmm. this is a beautiful space. I mean it's a little hot right now, but yeah. uh, <laughs> we'll know that Saturday morning during the event. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you haven't if you haven't come to see it, uh, I certainly encourage you to come by and visit. It. Yeah, definitely. So switching gears a little bit, again, one of the other programs I got to experience, I guess, was the iHelp program. Mm -hmm. And I just really found that so unique. So can you share with us a little bit about the iHelp program and um, that partnership that's going on there with the faith-based community? Absolutely. So this is a perfect example of community engagement at its finest. Um, so it's 12 years now, I believe. It's oh, wow. Really? 12, 12 oh, years uh, that the iHelp program started. And what happened was, sadly, discussion arose because a homeless individual, a homeless woman, had died on the streets of Tempe due to the elements. And so the faith-based community wanted, they wanted to do something. And so I believe at this time, again, wasn't there, mm-hmm. but certainly approached, um, you know, uh, nonprofit leaders and TCA was at the table and they said, what can we do? And so fast forward 12 years, um, here we are. And so for those not familiar with the iHelp Shelter Program, it stands for Interfaith Homeless Emergency Lodging Program. And so what it does is it works in collaboration with 12 local faith-based organizations that um on a nightly basis, one of these host churches acts as uh, a host site for the program. And then we, Tempe Community Action Agency, bring the resources to that site. And when I say we bring the resources, we bring um, access to our new laundry shower, mm-hmm. our new laundry trailer, um, both, uh, I believe, at least the laundry trailers first in Arizona. So we were super excited. I got to, to see that out. when I was out there. And I thought, oh, wow. I, I want to say there was maybe like four or five washers and dryers right. in there. And right. 
Yeah, just what a, on a trailer. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it is. And so we're able to bring these, uh, the trailer, mm-hmm. uh, both trailers to each of the sites on a rotating basis. So what happens is, so one host site opens their doors. We bring in uh, the trailers. We bring in the bedding. We bring in um, case managers and the resources to help them identify why they're homeless and how we can work with them to get out of homelessness. And so um, on a nightly basis, we can only accommodate date 40 homeless adult men and women. Now you're probably thinking, well, Tempe has probably over, you know, 900, 1,000 homeless people on any given night, and we're only housing 40. Mm-hmm. Well, that's based on the capacity of each of these these um, these host sites. Right. And so in addition to that, what happens is we have community volunteers 365 days of the year providing a meal to mm-hmm. these individuals and not only bringing the meal, but actually serving the meal and actually offering socialization. So sitting down with the homeless individuals that we have in our programs, sitting down and just listening and mm-hmm. talking. And, you know, that goes so far in that there's such a stigma with right. homeless individuals. Like, And so this is an, an opportunity to normalize it. Mm-hmm. And many times these individuals they just want to talk to somebody, right. you, you know, to hear their stories and just sit there. I mean, it goes so far for these individuals. And so what happens is providing that these individuals um, work with us and our intensive case managers and they're doing what they need to do. So it's very individualized per person, providing that they're doing what they need to do. They can return to the next host site the next night. So we move the program uh, on a rotating basis. And mm-hmm. so the model really works. Not only is it cost effective because we're not having a you know large brick and mortar building, right. but um, we work with our collaborative um, host sites and they just, they're incredible. Yeah. We, you know, we couldn't do what we do without our volunteers. Oh, no. And I, what I liked that night, so I think the night that I was there, there was a youth group, I want to say, that was in there. And they had brought in some pizzas and cake and salad, and they were serving that up. And as you mentioned, there were tables, dining room tables, and they everyone sat together with one another and, and were eating together and sharing conversation. Um, the other thing that I really um, was impressive was the check-in process. And the two people they had at the check-in table are actually program participants monitors, themselves right? and their monitors. And um, one of the questions we asked was, you know, how, how does one become a monitor? You know, what, what do they do? And, and they really said, well, you know, the, these two that we had at this particular site, you know, they've actually been monitors for, for a, a while now, just because they're just, they love it so much. And they, they really like being able to be given that kind of role models. Roles. Yeah, yeah, role right. models, really, to, to be able to do that for the program. What are some other, we talked about, you know, being able to bring in the food um, for the evening and such. What are some other ways that volunteers, uh, maybe businesses or, or other organizations could get involved with that particular program? I hope. I think, you know, a couple of things. Number one, we have the new laundry trailer. Mm-hmm. And so we definitely need laundry Primary, we want pods, the laundry pods. Those are just easier to transport and easier to hand out right. to our clients. So we're always looking for laundry supplies. In addition to laundry supplies, supplies, not the client's laundry, but all that, those bedding, 
the towels, that all needs to be laundered Mm -hmm. every night. And so we're always looking for, number one, volunteers who enjoy doing laundry. (laughs) And don't laugh because my mom loves doing laundry. (laughs) And if she lived here, she would be a laundry volunteer. So some people do enjoy it. Um, I don't mind the laundry part. It's the folding part. So as long as somebody would fold it, (laughs) I would be all over that. (laughs) So we're we're always looking for people to do that. And then we're always kind of looking for, you know, are there... um, I don't know, hotels in the area that would like to partner with us in providing their big laundry units for, mm, because we don't okay. use our laundry trailer to right, do for the towels and the bedding. Yeah, we don't want to wear on it that much. So commercial places, a laundromat that might say, hey, we're willing to open up our, you know, four washers and dryers every day so that we can do our that kind of laundry there. We're always looking for groups, you know, even though, you know, 365 days a year we're providing meals, we're not, but the community is. Right. And it occasionally, although it does get booked up pretty far in advance because mm-hmm. people love doing that, yep. we're looking for groups that are willing to come in and provide that meal mm-hmm. and sit with our clients and get to know them. We're, we have some volunteers that will just come and their sole role is to come and just sit and visit. Right. And we're just kind of starting to put our toes in that one. And we have a couple that are doing it now. But then we've also had volunteers that have been, hey, I'm a barber. Can I come once a month oh, and do right. a haircut? Yeah, actually, yep, I remember. Those sorts of things. Um, we're always looking for something that will um, uplift right. our, our clients. Um, you know, homelessness has such a stigma and it still does. But if you look at the face of homelessness, particularly, unfortunately, in Tempe, with uh, housing be as, being as costly as it is, it's maybe not necessarily who people think it is. And I hope that it's okay that I share. I won't use a name. Um, we had, uh, he's one of our greatest volunteers now. He actually became homeless because he was going through cancer treatments, and that was the way he could afford his cancer treatments. It right. was either pay rent or get my cancer treatment. So here's a working has a house or has a, a, an apartment and then had to choose, I get my cancer treatment or I stay in my housing. Right. He willingly became homeless so that he could get that cancer treatment. It's not always, many of our clients work. Mm-hmm. And so they're out at their jobs, nine to five, Monday through Friday, and then they come back to um, our homeless program. Many of them, we're starting to see more and more disabled people. It's not that they don't want to work, it's that they can't or no one will hire them. Right. And so it's really such a diverse group of people. And once again, to be in the iHelp program, you have to be interested in in having a different outcome, having a different future, taking that next step forward. And through our case management, we're really well, uh, really able to partner really well with them in finding out what is that next step for them to, to their own housing. Right. And... Whatever that small baby step is, we will be right there along their side helping them take that. Right. One of the, uh, you had asked about how can uh, businesses get involved. Well, certainly we have many individuals who are able-bodied and ready to work. Yeah, and that so, was going to be my next question. Absolutely. Like, what kind of job, what job placement resources are, are there for them if there's a company out there that's like, hey, we need people. And you're sitting there going, we've got people. Exactly. How, how does that connection get made? Well, it gets made... In a number of different ways, it gets made when people come and do tours of the uh, organization and they're like, wow, I never knew about this program. Um, you know, we could be talking about a different program like the Family Economic um, Advancement Program where that program is focused, is focused primarily on supporting individuals increase their, their family income through credit repair, home ownership opportunities, asset building, long-term asset building, uh, micro-enterprise. So there is a lot of opportunities opportunity for businesses to get involved. 
you just really need to kind of understand our program, understand that um, there's so many reasons why people um, end up in our program. Right. Um, you know, and and again, there's this there's image of of a homeless person. Um, would you think that a woman in her 60s would be in our program? No, not in a million years would I think that. Who you know lived came from another state and you know husband had passed away and and here we are. You know, no support system and funds run run out and and here she is. Right. And and, and so you think about that and you think. Wow, that that's how easy it can happen, mm-hmm. and uh, and so many of the people that enter our doors at the Tempe Community Action Agency are so living on the cusp of homelessness, and so what we see is that you see the people, you see the homeless people that are out there, but there is so many more that you don't see, mm-hmm. so many more living on that paycheck to paycheck, and one crisis, one financial crisis, one health crisis. Right, they're one health crisis away from becoming homeless. And so the community um, as a whole, I, I feel we need to do better in terms of the resources that we uh, can provide and are out there. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I think, and getting them connected, yes. really, getting those people connected. I think that when you look at um, the zip code, 85281, um, and you look at what that dollar amount is that I think, believe the latest statistic is 37% of the people in that zip code live at or below poverty level. Poverty level is $24,600 a year for a family of four. Mm. So they really are one small car repair. I just had to replace the gas cap on my car this week. And for a family living paycheck to paycheck, that could be the the catalyst that break. That's the straw that breaks the camel's right. back. Mm-hmm. They've been able to maintain. They found somewhat affordable housing, but they don't have room for a $27 gas cap. That's expensive. That's maybe their weekly budget for food. And so we really, I think as an agency, we want to be kind of that stopgap in the middle to keep that homelessness from happening if we can help, you know, whether it be through our food pantry so that they have that food so they can replace the gas cap. Or if it's a someone that's getting close to being homelessness and they have a car repair, we don't want that. We want them in our high help shelter. But what we really want is for them to be in their own place. Right. And if we can help stop that from happening and partner with them, we want to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I believe that in the 85281 zip code, 60% of the households are single parent households. And in addition to that, uh, the 85281 zip code is designated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture as a food desert, which means that the residents living in that uh, geographic area have limited access to fresh produce. Okay. So this is situationally, we're we're right where we need to be to be able to support those families that are really, um, there's high poverty. Mm Mm-hmm. What area of Tempe is is 85281 located? Like if we're if we're kind of looking at it from a cross streets or um I'm looking at I believe it's Broadway north to Scottsdale. Okay. And it also encompasses the ASU campus with a, which a lot of people are surprised by that. Right. It's another an area that um we don't think about being nutritionally compromised or not having access to food. There are a lot of hungry students out there. Mm -hmm. You know, we make assumptions that, well, they're in college. They must have lots of money. And that's just not the case. Um, We see a lot of students coming through our food pantry. Mm -hmm. And I know the ASU is is addressing that issue also. So, yeah, it's it's a pretty big geographic area. There are a lot of people and, um, you know, a lot of hunger, a lot of hardship going on there. And we just want to try and help. Right. 
Well, we've covered, you know, you know families and, um, and some other uh, demographics. Let's talk about your senior program. You have, what is it, three senior centers? Three senior centers. Three senior centers. And then I got to um, see the meal delivery program kind of in action. Great. I actually got to, when I was there, see them doing their little assembly lines, scooping up the meals, putting them in, sealing them putting them in the carriers. And I just thought, oh my gosh, like you don't really, I don't know. I wasn't thinking when I was thinking of meal delivery program, I was thinking, oh, you're taking some, you know, frozen food and plopping it in and driving it out. But no, these are all, I don't want to say home cooked because they're not cooked in a home, but they're all like home cooked meals basically prepared and and delivered. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because I, I thought that program was really interesting as well. So, yes, we operate three senior centers, two in the city of Tempe and one um, in South Scottsdale. And what we do at the senior centers is we provide a congregate lunch meal, so a a free lunch meal for um, the seniors in that area. Um, We also provide an array of um, activities as well, Mm -hmm. social activities, arts and crafts, physical education, um, those types of things to really connect seniors to their community. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes they're, they live alone. They, you know, we really want to to connect them to their peers, to their community. And that's a great way. But for those that are homebound, um, elderly who are homebound, as well as individuals who have um, significant disabilities, we offer the Home Delivered Meals Program. It is is based on economic eligibility. It's a fabulous program. I remember when I first started, I did, I think it was the second week I was there, I went on a on a run oh, one, okay. on one of the routes. Yeah. I was accompanied by the program manager. And, and so we probably hit about, I don't know, maybe 20 in, I swear, it seemed like a two-hour span. And right. there is a time limit. Yeah, in terms there's of, a time limit because the food has to be kept at a certain exactly. temperature. So it really has to be out the door once it's packed up and, and go. So. But what an impactful experience that was for me. And it was wonderful because I'm the one writing grants. I really need to know what these programs are all about. And so certainly when we're we're visiting these individuals and dropping off, yes, we may be there for five minutes, but we are, we're not only providing a nutritious meal for these individuals. And um, I believe at one count, it was 85% of them, this was their primary meal of the day. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Many of them are living on their own. Um, and so the other piece to that, which is so, so important, is the fact that we offer that wellness check. Right. The sense of security that these individuals feel knowing that, you know what, my meal's going to come, someone's going to come. Right. And it was interesting because on that uh, on that trip, um, I was with the program manager and not the actual driver that is the regular driver. Oh, Okay. And they, and they come to develop these relationships. <laughs> yeah. With these, yeah. So what happened to Dave? Yeah. Like, is everything okay with Dave? I'm like, everything's okay with Dave. He's just on vacation. You know? But it's wonderful because yeah. we don't think about, you know, the potential dangers of, you know, someone who is living on their own. Right. Sometimes they're disabled. Um, they are homebound. So, you know, there's not a lot of mobility issues. And so we've had some pretty scary experiences where, you know, there was one individual she was like um, 80 or 90 years old, and it was a very, very hot summer day, and she had locked herself out of her house. Oh, and so she was uh, waiting under the carport. You know, she didn't have a phone, so she sat there waiting for her 
home delivered meals driver to come and help. Oh, wow. And so when they got there, they, you know, contacted the fire department and got her back in. But there's another situation where, you know, um, one of our um, volunteer HDM drivers uh, walked into one of their, their regular homes and the smell of gas mm. was so profound. And, and sure enough, had they not contacted the fire department, the house would have exploded. Wow. So those types of things are pretty important. And so the fact that we can kind of circumvent some of these these things is really... Right. It's huge. Right. And that's all volunteers as well, right, with the home delivery? We really, I mean, when you, when you mention almost any of our programs, mm-hmm. you're going to make that statement. Um, we really are volunteer driven, and um, without our pool of volunteers, there were many there are many programs we would not be able to continue. And so we're very very fortunate that we have a good solid volunteer base, and um, it, it's it's super rewarding. I mean, I'm the volunteer coordinator, so I'm going to push that big <laughs> of time. Yeah. Um, but but really, I think because of the diversity of our programs, it's really something for every. Everyone, depending on what what interests you, and um, yeah, our home delivered meals drivers. I've also been out on a route, and I will say, really impactful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is going into to these seniors' homes, and they are so grateful and appreciative. And some of them want to have great conversations, and you learn a lot about them. And some of them are just happy to have the food, and you go on your merry way. But um, it's a really great opportunity to volunteer and to really you can see immediately your impact. And there are some volunteer roles that you don't get to see immediately, but that is one where you see immediately that you are making a difference in one, and at least probably they usually go on about 20 people a day on on your route. Um, You've just impacted 20 people for the positive. So super exciting. Do you have any um, kind of like a large format volunteer orientations that people um, can show up at or what do you have in that? We do. So, so really, you know, our volunteer process is, is, is relatively simple, but there are some things you do need to do. Um, number one is filling out our online volunteer application, but it's really simple. It's not asking for your life history. It's just a pretty simple form. You submit that and then I contact you with our next volunteer orientation opportunities. Our volunteer orientation opportunities are, it's a one-hour class and you're not signing on any dotted lines at that class. It is really just an overview of our agency, who we are and what we're about and where we've come from and hopefully where we're going. (laughs) And then also what the volunteer opportunities are and then what the criteria is for each one of those roles. Because for some of our roles, you go to volunteer orientation and I can put you in the food pantry the next day volunteering pretty simple. But if you want to be like one of our home delivered meals drivers, we ask that you get a fingerprint clearance card. We're going to want you to ride along on a couple of routes to make sure that that's really something you're comfortable doing because it really is a time investment because we ask you to commit for at least six months. Right. Um, That's important for our seniors to know the faces that are coming into their homes and to get to know them and be comfortable and feel safe with them. But really the orientation is the best way to to just get an overview of who we are. And like I said, it's an hour. Right. It's it's not super long and there's no test at the end. So (laughs) everybody passes. Everybody passes. And we don't make you sign on the dotted line. That's one of the things as, as a volunteer coordinator, I'm passionate about volunteering and I'm passionate obviously about volunteering at TCAA, but if it's not with our agency, find the place that it is, find the place that makes your heart get excited where it doesn't feel like um, a burden to come in and do your volunteer role and do it. And I just want people to volunteer and, but come and and try our agency. We've got such varied roles, so many different things you can touch on. And like I said, I'm not a high pressure salesman. You come to orientation and if it's not the right thing for you, that's okay with me. 
I want the person that comes and goes, oh, I really want to work with those seniors. I want to be a home delivered meal driver because I know that day I provided a nutritious meal and a friendly face for 20 people. And there are not a lot of volunteer roles where you get to say that at the end of the day. Right. Well, and I like that at the very least, you just get to learn about all the different programs. Yeah. Um, So I can just imagine it's just a great opportunity for somebody who, like you said, maybe volunteering with um, TCA isn't in their cards right now, but they at least get to learn about your programs and maybe they can help out in another way to start. Maybe they they can donate some food or... Or donate maybe. to one of your programs or attend a fundraiser. Um, but maybe maybe it is a great opportunity for them right then so they well, can learn all about that. And like at the very beginning of the story, or maybe their neighbor has a need right. and now they know that now there's a know. resource and where it is and exactly. how to get them connected. Mm-hmm. So it, it it is, yes, selfishly, we want them to come volunteer, but we also want the community to know that there is a resource right here in their neighborhood where they can get help so they don't have to be hungry and they don't have to be alone. Right. Orientations held on uh, any kind of type of schedule, or is it as you? Yes, in my mind, yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, So there's always every month. There's always a Saturday morning orientation um, for those people that that works best for them. There is always a Tuesday morning orientation, and there is always a Thursday late afternoon, early evening, like five thirty orientation. I'm trying to do that in such a way that it kind of fits with lots of different schedules because all of our roles have lots of different schedules. And so typically three times a month. Oh, good. Um, The next one is, oh gosh, that's really hard press. What is today? Okay. The next one (laughs) is... Today's the 23rd. I know. I'm like... The next one is uh, September 6th, I believe. uh, That's a Thursday in the evening. Okay. And so that would be the next one. And then there will be three in September. And typically there are three every month. Okay. And I suppose they can go to your website, right? And find upcoming orientation dates. Yeah. They can definitely, if they hit on the get involved page, and at the bottom of that page is our volunteer application. They fill out the application. I immediately, not immediately, within <laughs> typically 24 hours, right. email them all of the upcoming orientations, kind of what they need to know to come to orientation, where they're located, because they're not always at our actual Apache location. Oh, okay. Um, we really um, have a smaller conference room there, and some of the classes get bigger. So we um, get rooms over at the Escalante Center, and we'll have some of the orientations at the Escalante Center. Okay. And then if a business wants to get involved, they want to do maybe, um, you know, employee team building day or something like that. Um, what's that process look like? That that really is a process where I, re- you know, I like to keep those really individualized based on, right. on who they are and kind of what they're looking for. How many people they're going to have? Do they want to be indoors? Do they want to be outdoors? Or do they want to work in the garden? Do they want to work in the food pantry? And so that's, once again, contacting me. And then I kind of ask them, how many people, what are, what's your timeline? What date are you looking at? What are you interested in? Here are kind of the opportunities. You know, I just, we've had such a diverse group, diverse groups coming out. I, I, can I, I want to tell this story. Can I tell the story about the, so <laughs> what we had a group in our volunteer orientation, we kind of talk about, hey, when you're coming and volunteering, we ask that you don't drink, you know, while you're volunteering. <laughs> No alcohol. Um, <laughs> but I don't ever tell that to our corporate groups because that's you just think it's a given. It, it's it, kind it, of a given. Kind of, right. But. Yeah. Until you get a group of brewmasters. Oh, yep. 
who show up to your food pantry <laughs> having been doing their job all day, which right. is to taste beer. <laughs> and so honestly, that was one of the funnest groups we had in the pantry. David, our food pantry manager, just he talks and talks and talks about that group. It was 40 oh. brewmasters in the food pantry. It was so much fun. Now I kind of do tell corporate groups, hey, by the way, right, by um, the we way. would prefer that you not have had happy hour before you come and volunteer. Yeah. But um, you know, like I said, we really will look at the group and kind of what they're hoping to get out of it and what area interests them and and then we will find a time that works for them. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There really is. I, I can't imagine there not being something there yes. for every, anyone, mm-hmm. you know, and regardless if they're volunteering with with their company or with a community organization that they're a part of, um, or even just, you know, a group of friends that, yeah. you know, want to get together and, and do something like that. I can't imagine there not being something that wouldn't strike them as, you know, really reaching in and, and touching them in a way that they um, are something that they're passionate about. Well, and for, for several of our roles, um, I'm thinking of the community garden, the pantry primarily, but we can have families. So um, particularly the community gardens, I mean, you can bring your three-year-old out and volunteer with them and, and teach them about gardening mm-hmm. and get them in that space. You know, our gardens, I've t- we talked about, they're run primarily by volunteers. Many of them are master gardeners. So if you've ever been interested in learning about gardening and don't even know where to start, if you come and volunteer in our gardens, I promise you, you will learn how to garden. And uh, it's great to get kids um, out in the gardens. We have, like Sophia said, a family project this weekend that we will have all ages in our um, Escalante garden um, doing some really cool happy rock painting and painting some tables and oh, such. Fun. So a lot of areas we can we can engage the entire family. That's all good ages. to know because in previous positions, you know, I've, I've done some volunteer management and or I've worked for organizations and people will call up and say, hey, we want to volunteer. And they're, you know, we have a five-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I always would have to say, sorry, we can't accept anyone under the age of, you know, 18 or, or whatever that might be. So again, another really unique thing, I would say, then with, yeah. with your organization that you do have opportunities for families. So if you are wanting to um, show your, you know, five-year-old or your 10-year-old or 15-year-old, the importance of, you know, giving back and being part of the community. This looks like a really great way for them to get involved in that as well. And it's great that it's it's so open. And the gardens are, are a perfect program mm-hmm. for that because um, there's not one Saturday of the month where we don't have opportunities in one of the two gardens. So we have work days, regular scheduled work days on the, on the Saturdays for individuals to come and participate. So that's wonderful. But the other thing that I just wanted to mention too is we also have corporate groups that say, well, we'd actually like to do something on site do you have anything that that can work can you work with us on that and so we've we've done that um several times where we've had opportunities where hey we need it's coming close to the holidays and a group said that they wanted to um add a little special something for the home delivered meals people um our clients and so they did a wonderful little arts project and it accompanied the food towards the, so we have we can be creative and right. we can the, be we like to be creative oh exactly. i know i'm looking at that going Ooh. yeah <laughs> So, so lots How of many do you need? So you don't necessarily have to be on site. Right, we can right. find we projects can come to for you. you. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's good. I'm thinking just, you know, just about different companies where, like you were mentioning around the holidays, they want to do something special and maybe they don't necessarily want to do the toy drive or they don't necessarily want to do a canned food drive, but maybe they have something else that they can 
you know, produce on site at their at their business. Maybe that's something that they even specialize in and they right. can have a mm-hmm. company company craft day or something yep. to that effect. But yeah, just lots of really um, unique ideas. And I love that, you know, like you said, you love coming up with new ideas. There isn't any sort of here's the box of things you no. can do. Pick one. It's more of a, like you said, getting to know the individual or the company or that organization and really wanting to find out what what excites you and how do you want to give back and then, you know, finding something that works for them. Yeah, we can usually find, you know, and for some companies, they want that box. Right. I, we don't want to have to think about it. You come out, you plan <laughs> it all when we're happy to do that. Yeah. But for some, it's like, no, we kind of, this is kind of what we're into. And this is the way we'd love to give back. Is there a, is there a room for that? you know, at TCAA and, and I can't think of any opportunities where we've said, no, sorry, you need to go somewhere else. Right, right. Um, we, we are really able to accommodate a lot of different projects. Well, good. Well, as we're winding down, I want to make sure that we touch on, I'm looking at the little flyer in front of me. I read about it a little bit online. I really want to touch on your upcoming fundraiser, uh, Vicinity. Vicinity. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about that a little bit because this sounds really interesting and unique. Absolutely. It's our 14th annual event, and this is actually TCA's largest uh, fundraiser of the year, and it has been for several years. Many people know it. For many years, it was known as First Crush. Last year, we went through a change in the name and some rebranding, and Mm -hmm. it's now Vicinity Tempe. And so I like to call it as an elegant evening, three-hour mixer like no other. Um, (laughs) And and really what the goal um, of that of this event is really to highlight Tempe's uh, vast culinary um, and cultural diversity. We bring together um, several different local restaurants um, who donate their food to this event. So it is absolutely incredible. The Tempe community really does. I, we I have can't some say amazing enough about food in Tempe. So, we do. Yeah. And so everybody, you know, the restaurants have approached, they're like, oh, count us in. We're in for next year. So we have, you know, a great line up. We're still looking maybe for one or two more restaurants who might be interested in joining us for this event, but but certainly it's going to take place on Friday, October 19th um, from 6.30 to 9.30 and uh, pretty cool, iconic venue. It's going to be at uh, Tempe's um, Big Surf Water Park. So, that sounds uh, uh, really cool. It does. <laughs> so we're excited. It's yeah. our first time that but we're going to be at this the venue. The water won't be in the pool, so right. you don't wear your swimsuit. Oh, okay. yes. Like the water said, slides won't be open. This is elegant <laughs> mixer. Leave the flip-flops and the and the bathing suits behind. And, and you know, what I've heard, because I've been with the agency for two years, what I've heard is people just absolutely adore and love this um, event because it's very, it is kind of low-key. You know, you can just come as you are and, and you get to mix and mingle with folks you know, folks you don't know. We have, you know, lots of um, uh, individuals from businesses, from the city, just a, a wide, diverse audience. Mm-hmm. And so we're really, really super excited to showcase a different venue. And it's usually, you know, a really great night. And it's all to benefit all of our TCA programs and services. So this, if you really wanted to, to support us, this is the event to attend. And, and you know, we're still in the midst of getting our ticketing website up and ready. And that's going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. Oh, good. But um, certainly for anybody who's interested, um, they can go to... To, uh, vicinity at Tempe Action 
org um, for more information. It'll, it'll send a, an email to Teresa and she'll put you on the list. So as soon as we have that ticketing site up and ready, um, there's still corporate sponsorship opportunities um, available and they can certainly reach out to me. It's just such a, a great community event. And, right. and we're really, really excited yeah. about it. And I really like that it you know showcases you know the the Tempe restaurants and local food and and I assume is beer and beer wine. and wine and uh, <laughs> a, a fabulous silent auction and oh, we have okay. another Life little music we have another oh, fun a new little twist that we're uh, incorporating this yeah, this year more. but we're going to keep that quiet yeah. so oh. there's a little a element surprise. of surprise yeah. the, I, what I love about this event when I you know I've I've gone to I've been in the nonprofit world for a long time I like this event. In a, in a special way because it's not a sit-down formal yep. meal. Yep. It is a mix and mingle and come and go, although we want you to come and stay the entire time. But it really is socializing and, and talking to people and, and um, listening to the music and checking out. And the food, I, you know, last year was my first year of experiencing it. And I've got to say, it's almost like a, it's almost a little tapas. So you go and mm-hmm. visit the little uh, different restaurants who are there that night and they give you a little, a little sample. And some of the samples are like a full meal. But, uh, <laughs> and so you're trying all of this dis- diverse food from all of these great local restaurants and you get to try things that maybe you wouldn't normally try in the restaurant because you're like, like, oh, that doesn't sound like it would be delicious. Right. And then you try it. One of my favorite things last year was one that I never would have ordered in, in this restaurant. And I hope they're bringing it back. <laughs> I'm just saying this melon soup, which sounded really weird to oh, me, yeah, was the same amazing. Way. Oh, wow. And so it's fun because you get to try all these different things that you might not normally try. Yeah. Who brought the melon soup? It was, was actually um, Cynthia Starkey and uh, um, M, um, M Culinary Concepts. Oh, okay. Nibbles, right. Yeah, okay. It was amazing. So yeah. shout out, bring the melon soup. Yeah, <laughs> Teresa <laughs> wants the melon soup. <laughs> oh, well, great. Well, that sounds like, that really does sound like a, a really fun event. And like you mentioned, being a part of fundraisers in the past, you know, sometimes it is really nice to go to the gala and get all dressed up and have that, you know, fancy night or whatever where you're sitting at the table. But other times you're like, oh, gosh, there has to be a more fun way to do this. <laughs> There's got to be yeah. another. Yeah. And this sounds like a really fun, uh, fun event. Right. We don't try to drag it out. And honestly, when, you know, when you're there and you're mingling, you know, time does fly by. And yeah. so, you know, we want to keep it. We don't want to keep you all night long, but we certainly want to educate you a little bit about who we are. And that's the that's that's the cool thing because it allows that real person, you know, individuals can get to know us right. and learn who we are and, and what we do. So that's yeah. really the goal of it. So really excited to be hosting it again. Well, speaking of time flying by, <laughs> it has come to the end of the show. Uh, but I do want to make sure that anyone listening, obviously, when this goes up online and is available for download, people can find links and such to go to. But for anybody listening right now who wants to get started right now. What's your website and what kind of information are they? Can they find all the information for everything here on that website that we talked about today? Right now, our website is www.tempeaction.org. Okay. We are actually in the midst of changing our website. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to, you're going to see a new face to the Tempe Community Action website, but that's, uh, we're right in the midst of that. So okay. you can still, um, you know, go to the website, but for Information on vicinity, like I said, um, individuals can reach out to vicinity at tempeaction.org. Okay. And um, Teresa will um, 
Keep I'll you all posted okay. and tell you when the ticket sales are available. But certainly, um, go to our website. You can certainly find you know all the contact informations there. Those okay. are those are uh, readily available. And we'd be happy at any time to provide a tour to anybody who's interested. Yeah, I would definitely recommend anyone you know going on one of those tours because it is um, it is really interesting and I you know really just under one roof you can actually learn about quite a oh, few yeah. of the programs. Um, but yeah, definitely take advantage of that and volunteer opportunities if companies are wanting, thinking right now, like, oh my gosh, we're looking at, you know, what we want to do for our team building activities in the fall or uh, what we want to do then. Teresa, how should they get in touch with you? Well, I mean, you can certainly can go to our website. If the one person fills out that volunteer application, I'm going to see clearly on it that you're looking for a group. But if you can remember my email, it's just Teresa, T-H-E-R-E-S-A, Amazon Mary at tempeaction.org. And you can reach out to me directly and we'll get you started. Like I said, we can we can customize a volunteer opportunity for for your goals and our goals and then everybody wins. Well, great. Well, thank you again, ladies. I'm so excited that I, I know we actually didn't even get to talk about all of your programs, but hopefully we touched on enough um, of the diversity in the programs that we, at least something on there sounded interesting to somebody out there and they're really thinking right now, oh my gosh, this is how I want to get involved. So thank you so much for being here, ladies. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact and we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline Destremps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. Thank you and until next time.